Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So I want to take some time today to talk about the Fed meeting, which, you know, as I mentioned in my one of my past uh, videos, it seems like it snuck right up on us. It seems like it was just yesterday that they had their August meeting. And maybe it's more of just a function of me being busy than anything else. But here we are in the middle of September, and they came out as the market sort of expected and cut interest rates by another quarter percentage point, bringing the target rate between 1.75 and 2%. And again, that was sort of what markets expected in terms of rate cuts. Uh, what we did see... In, in terms of, of the actual minutes was that there was a fair bit of indecision. There was individuals that wanted a, a full uh, 50 basis point cut, a half a percentage point. Of course, they didn't get their way. Uh, but it does go to show that there are members of the Fed that are even more dovish than uh, Jerome Powell himself, who, you know, sometimes I think gets interpreted as a bit more of a of a hawk than he actually is. Uh, again, as, as Zero Hedge aptly pointed out, the Fed right now has just cut interest rates for the second time, uh, perhaps even going to, to prove that the last rate cut was not the mid-cycle adjustment that, that Jerome Powell uh, stated it was. They're cutting rates in, in the midst of what is supposed to be fairly strong economic growth. Uh, inflation as of late has been ticking up. Uh, the stock market is near all-time highs. Unemployment's near record lows. And and there's plenty of other information in terms of macroeconomics as well as markets that would suggest this is not the time to cut rates, right? If anything, this should be a good time to, to tighten rates. And yet, here we are. Now, another thing that the market had begun to somewhat price in or expect a chance of happening just in the last couple of days was that the Fed would actually roll out a new round of quantitative easing or some similar open market operation, ongoing open market operation, whether it has to do with the repo, uh, the repo markets or, or something else, mostly because of, of just this, uh, this liquidity crisis that we've sort of seen emerge just in the last couple of days. It's been many months, many years in the making, uh, but it certainly has emerged just in the last couple of days. And I talked about that in my, my video uh, yesterday, talking about the high repo market, overnight repo market rate that uh, actually prompted the Fed yesterday to, to conduct their first repo operation in like 10 years. So a quick review of how that works is, is uh, banks and, and other financial institutions will use the repo market, which is an overnight funding market. They, they basically sell a given asset, uh, a bond usually, uh, in this case to the Fed is mostly bonds and mortgage-backed securities, but they sell these with the promise that they're going to be buying them back the next day. Uh, it's basically a very short-term borrowing deal, right? And then there's somebody on the other side of the trade that gains a, a small amount of, of interest on that, right? So they're going to be selling these bonds for, let's say, $100, buying them back for... 
hundred dollars and, and a couple pennies, right? Which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, you know, that's only one night. That's only one day that they're, they're gaining that interest on. Well, anyways, the rate had been spiking up as of late and it still is, it still remains elevated, uh, largely because there's not enough lenders out there. There's not enough dollars out there. It's, that's why we call it a liquidity crisis, right? And what that means is that you know, some people refer to it as as the plumbing of of the financial system. This these lending markets. Some would even say that the the repo market is the most important funding market, the most important market to to uh, ensure the the viability or the health of the financial system is getting plugged up. Right, the plumbing is getting plugged up in the financial system because these repo markets are just not as liquid as they should be. Well, the Fed Fed came in yesterday, conducted a repo operation. They did the, again. Did it again today, and actually recently announced that they're going to be conducting their third in three days uh, tomorrow. Another open market repo operation. But the thing with this is that it's it's not working as of right now. It's it's helping on maybe a day to day basis, but to to keep these markets you know unplugged, I guess, or to to ensure a fair bit of liquidity, they would have to likely do this on an ongoing basis every day, which is. A, don't think that the Fed is is some. They, they didn't announce that that's their intention in this meeting, at least. And and long term, the, there's more fundamental problems with the dollar funding markets. And I know this is a lot. I mean, dollar funding markets, repo markets. I'm not trying to get too technical here, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because there were some that expected the Fed to come out and begin quantitative easing in this meeting to to announce that hey, we're going to start QE soon again. Well, they didn't, and the markets were a little disappointed. Of course, Jerome Powell said that, hey, you know, don't rule out QE again in the future, and the market sort of moved up on that. The, the stock market actually closed up on the day. Precious metals, which had been down pretty sharply, uh, bounced a little bit on that that remark by, by Jerome Powell. But I, I don't think that the Fed fully understands or is fully willing to act on the, the massive problem that they have right now in the dollar markets, you know, as as Zero Hedge points out, uh, I feel like I'm always just quoting Zero Hedge themselves versus the you know the uh, the various authors and and contributors beyond just the uh, kind of anonymous writers. But but as they point out, we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars worth of of dollars that have to be injected into the system to to restore normal function to the liquidity markets. I mean that's the the that is the uh, magnitude of of intervention by the Fed. And, and don't get me wrong, these repo operations, which amount to you know, 50, 70, 80, maybe even $100 billion soon on a day-to-day basis helps, but it's a stopgap measure, right? It's, it's like putting a little bit of gauze on an arterial bleed, right? It doesn't take long for, for that blood to soak right through that gauze. And and where does that leave you? You need to, you know, you can keep putting the gauze on, but at some point, uh, you you need to stitch that wound up. You need to to have do surgery. You need to have find some other way to to stop the bleeding. Otherwise, the, the patient's going to bleed out. And you know, I, I feel like, and again, I, th- I feel like I saw this from Zero Hedge as well, that maybe the Fed is just going to wait until there's the proverbial or or you know whatever proverbial if that's the right word. Uh, Lehman mark or Lehman moment in the markets that that there's some sort of massive repercussions of this liquidity crisis the the funding markets the the whole financial system totally gets plugged up 
and the Fed's repo operations just aren't enough. And what would happen after that is that the Fed would have to step in and provide uh, sort of a long-term solution to this liquidity problem, which would take the form of quantitative easing. Of course, you know, the uh, uh, hundred, hundreds of billions of dollars gets thrown out there, right, by, by myself. And, and I'm sure their, their early on attempts to, to solve this liquidity problem would uh, amount to tens of billion dollars at least per month, right? Maybe 50, maybe even 100 billion a month. But I don't think that it would, would be a one and done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or that it would just last a couple of months, I think it'd be uh, quite a ways out into the future because A, the markets would be getting another uh, uh, hit of that drug that they've been missing out on for so long. And B, the, the markets need that liquidity, at least from the Fed's point of view, uh, to, to function, quote unquote, normally because of the amount of liquidity that's getting sucked out by uh, things like, like an increase in the dollar debt uh, or, or the U.S. Uh, Treasury debt entering the market over the coming years with a rising deficit, uh, some of the dollar funding crises overseas, you know, that liquidity would have to be added on an ongoing basis. And that's, I mean, that's really the genesis of QE infinity. But we're not there yet, right? And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and maybe markets were getting too far ahead of themselves by pricing in any sort of QE announcement in this this uh, Fed meeting. I mean, the only announcement they got regarding it was that we're, we're going to do it at some point in the future, but but not today. So it's a waiting game. But I did see the, the reaction from the markets. Initially, you, you saw stocks move down pretty sharply. Same thing goes for precious metals. The dollar moved up. And then Jerome Powell sort of came out and said, look, we're seeing QE here again in the future, not too far off. And, you know, on that news, stocks moved up, precious metals moved up. But I think in the coming days, I won't be surprised if we're more so going to see a reaction from the market that spells out policy error more so than expectations of more QE in the future. And what I mean by that is that I think we're going to see precious metals and and maybe even the stock market, certainly the bond market, more and more, uh, to, to a greater extent, react to things like, like what's going on in the repo market, uh, the, the plugging up of the financial system's plumbing, uh, these, these uh, overnight repo operations by the Fed, which are as I said in my last podcast, uh, Zero Hedge even calls them uh, QE light. Even Jeff Gunlock recently called them QE light, you know, the precursor to full-blown QE. That we're, we're going to see more and more, you know, silver and gold react to that, not necessarily on the expectation of, of more QE. That's going to be part of it. But also just because, you know, the longer the Fed waits to act, the greater the, the odds are of a Lehman moment, of a full-blown crisis. And, 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 and so I think what we're going to see here for precious metals is sort of a, a two-headed uh, monster in terms of, of pushing up the, the price. You're going to have that, that move to safety because of expectations of a major crisis, liquidity crisis, financial crisis, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you're also going to see 
a move up on the expectation of more QE, of lower interest rates, etc. And so, you know, I, I think the next question that, that we have to ponder, I don't think we can fully answer it, but, but ponder is what's going to be the next domino to fall in this ongoing liquidity problem? We're seeing it in the overnight repo markets, but at what point does this begin to spread to to other markets that that depend on dollar liquidity, whether it's the U.S. Treasury bond market, the U.S. or or foreign the, the dollar denominated, I should say, corporate bond market? Are we going to see this extend into to other assets that thrive on liquidity, including stocks, ETFs, passive investing? Uh, how long does it take for that to occur? And, and once we see those dominoes begin to fall, I think we'll also begin to see some market events that will be reminiscent of the financial crisis. I think we're going to see market participants and institutions and investors begin to pull their money from the markets and into uh, savings accounts, um, into cash, into, you know, all their out of things like money market accounts, out of, out of, the market as a whole, and and that's extremely damaging to to liquidity. I mean, that's that's what ultimately almost brought the entire U.S. and global financial system to a grinding halt back in two thousand eight because of a rush out of the system, uh, a sort of a digital run on the banks, right? Money market accounts. Uh, you, you may see them advertised at your local banks. Uh, because they have a higher interest rate than a traditional savings account, um, they they oftentimes give you the ability to to quickly move it out of that. Whereas something like a, a CD, like a certificate deposit, uh, you you're tied in for a certain amount of months before you can withdraw that. You know, so you can have the added benefit of a higher interest rate, but a little bit more liquidity. Well, those money market accounts, which you know, for you and I, I mean, our dollars aren't super important to the. Health of liquidity, uh, health of the, the uh, or the liquidity of the financial system. But on a broader scale, those types of markets are are crucial to to things moving smoothly, and and that was a problem back in two thousand eight. You had a huge amount of money moved out of those money market funds and and accounts and whatnot, money markets as a whole, and and that caused a drive in liquidity, and and that led to an intervention by the Fed and whatnot, and and. I think the same will be true this time around. And so it's just me a question of liquidity. I mean, how many times have I said in the past that today's markets are more than anything else a function of liquidity and, and credit expansion? It's not fundamentals. It's it's not profits in many cases. It's it's liquidity and, and credit expansion. And so when you see those things turn around, when when you see liquidity dry up, when you see credit not expanding, that is going to be the precursor to the Lehman moment, the next Lehman moment, whatever that may be. And so that's something to look out for. And, and as I said in my last video, my last podcast, the, the Fed is going to attempt to, to intervene. They're going to uh, uh, pour more water onto the problem, try and provide liquidity. But as I said in my past podcast, you know, to use an analogy of, of soil, uh, rain. If we're going to use water and rain kind of interchangeably as, as a term for, for liquidity, water and rain can be very beneficial to an ecosystem, to farmland, to, to soil as a whole. It provides a certain amount of moisture. It allows plants to grow and whatnot. However, 
too much moisture can be a bad thing. And so I think the situation that we're in right now is, is obviously soil. The soils in the market are, are not being provided enough moisture. And the Fed can do what they can through through lowering interest rates, through open market operations, QE, et cetera, to, to provide some of that water, some of that moisture that the markets are seeking out. However, the risk that they run is allowing too much rain to fall for soils to become saturated. And then when you try providing more liquidity, it has the, the opposite of the intended effect. It, it the, the soils can't take on any more of that, and it has detrimental effects. There's there's flooding, right? And there's landslides and whatnot. And I think the same is true for the markets. And, and you're already seeing this, as I pointed out. You're already seeing this happen in places like Europe, where, where the markets are just not responding as you'd expect them to, to announcements of QE and, and cutting interest rates. The efficacy of central bank policy is on the decline. With that being said, we're still going to see the stock market rally, likely, uh, when QE is announced. We're still going to see the stock market rally at points as the Fed ultimately heads to zero and, and perhaps below zero in terms of interest rates. But long term, the markets and, and more and more market participants are going to wake up and realize the ECB, the Bank of Japan, the Federal Reserve, People's Bank of China, the Bank of England, and so many other central banks the world over are impotent at this point uh, to to alleviate some of these deeper fundamental problems in the financial system. And it's at that point that that panic will will ensue. In the meantime, yeah, we're still going to have that probably Lehman moment and the Fed's bringing us closer and closer to that by not providing the liquidity. You know, my per, my my perspective, of course, is not that this liquidity needs to be provided. The markets don't need to be saved. Markets can work this out on themselves, by themselves. That's what should have happened back in 2008, 2009. Financial crisis should have run its course. It would have been much worse than, than what actually transpired, but... We wouldn't be struggling to, to eke out, you know, 3% GDP. We wouldn't have these same problems today. No, it would have been a deep recession, but we would have recovered much quicker. It would have been a very strong recovery, I believe, worldwide, had the Fed and other central banks not intervened in the way that they did. Uh, but they did, and, and they'll likely do so again here coming up in, in, in the coming months. And, uh, you know, there's going to be panic along the way. But, but again, precious metals, I think, are really going to be the some of the prime beneficiaries of this for, for again, two reasons. Uh, you're going to have the currency debasement, the devaluation, uh, and, and the increased allure of precious metals that happens with QE, with lower interest rates, all of that. But you're also going to have that rush to safety because of fear of, of crisis. So anyways, that's kind of what we have to look forward to, if you want to call it that, in terms of precious metals. And of course, this is just on in terms of relating them to other markets. This is not necessarily talking supply and demand. There's plenty of reasons to be bullish on on gold and especially silver in terms of, of supply and demand. But in terms of just uh, comparing them to fiat currencies and the financial system and whatnot, I see a lot of reasons to be bullish over the medium to long term. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.